Welcome to the One Life Maps podcast. Here's your host and co-author of Listen to My Life, maps for recognizing and responding to God in my story, Sharon Swing. Greetings, everyone. This is Sharon Swing. I am here today with Sybil Towner. Say hi. Greetings. Hi, everybody. And Joan Kelly. Hey, everybody. Good to be with you. Yeah, we're, we're all um, distanced at this point in time because we're doing this during the shelter-in-place uh, time, and we are going to talk today about the Peak Experiences map. So I hope that uh, this particular map gives you some ideas about uh, uh, one of the maps from the Listen to My Life process. This is actually map number three in the process. And uh, the first map is my life now, then my life story, then peak experiences, and then valley experiences. And we've got another episode that's about valley experiences. Then the maps go on from there. But the peak experiences map, we're taking a look at um, peak experiences. And we have a particular kind of definition from that. So can you say a little bit about what is a peak experience? Well, peak experiences are the uncovering uh, of um, actually the essence of who you are. But to make it in more plain language, the kinds of things that are in you, uniquely you, and in no one else, that really bring forth life, energy, and they add beauty to the world in which you live. They add contribution. They, um, they really are generative uh, toward good for all, even though they might be done in a local place. And they show up very early in our lives because we're hot from God. And so we go about doing the things we're drawn to. And if somebody a little bit older takes notice of that, they say, oh, I know what to get. Uh, Sally or Joey a puzzle because they love to do puzzles or I know what to do with whomever we're going to take a hike today and we're going to see whatever we can find in creation and look at it or I'm going to get a coloring book and you know what this person loves to color this is what I could do when I'm time's up I want to keep going so that peak experience is where all of me has come together, my body, my mind, and my heart. And I say, I could do this all day long and night too. <laughs> so that's a start. Yeah. So one of the things that is the kind of peak experience we're talking about is not um, necessarily a big accomplishment. It might be that you've accomplished something amazing and that made it a peak but a lot of times awards and recognition and all come from external sources other people telling you that you're good at something mm -hmm. as opposed to this internal sense of deep satisfaction yes it comes from just the doing of it regardless if anybody else yeah. thinks it's good yeah. or not yeah regardless yeah. of the outcome it doesn't have to look a certain way or be a certain way yeah. Yeah. So, and, and why early in our lives? Why do we look there, Joan? Well, I think we look early because we're, we're not as influenced by the outside world, right? And we're a more pure essence of who God made us to be. So 
I know some people give us a little pushback when we say, you know, the first 20 years are like, I don't remember anything. And that's why we kind of just lean in and push back just a little bit and just say, just explore that. And sometimes you have to go digging a little bit if it's hard for you to go back there, right? You might have to ask a sibling or a parent, or you might have to look at some old pictures and go, yeah, I did love to do that. And I kind of forgot about why I liked doing that. And so, yeah, going back is really important. Yeah, but we're, we're asking people to map eight different peak mm-hmm. experiences in this sequence. So it's not that, uh, that there might not be some amazing peak experiences that happen later on, um, but it's yet this, um, when we are, as you said, free from other distractions, it's kind of like our to-do list kind of grow as we get older, the things yes. we have to do. And a lot of times that pushes out what we really want to do Mm -hmm. and or desire to do yeah you know or long to do the stuff we can just kind of lose ourselves in and uh that is actually really good for our souls yes (laughs) in a lot of ways so um is there anything else we should say about the description of a peak experience well i think for one person the doing of it might feel like work So they couldn't imagine it would be a peak experience for anyone else. But for the person who it is a peak experience, it's just play. It's exploration. It's, you use the word satisfying. It's, it just makes the soul sing. I mean, if you watch somebody with a puzzle who figures out several puzzle pieces and gets them in, and they are really a puzzle doer, I mean, I'll work with puzzles. I'm not a puzzle doer, but the joy of finding the piece and the last piece in, I mean, that just feels like, okay, where's the next puzzle? (laughs) Yeah, and and for me, I remember that, um, you know, like the lights would go out or whatever, we'd we'd set up a a puzzle near the, we'd, we'd build a fire in the fireplace and we'd actually do puzzles by fireplace light which is crazy <laughs> when you think about it or sometimes it'd yeah. be during the day in the you know middle of the winter or whatever or another and we'd uh, um, we'd do these puzzles and it really wasn't about the puzzle itself for me but it was about being with my family it was mm-hmm. all of us in yeah. the same room at the same time yes. doing the same mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and that didn't always happen very often in my family and mm-hmm. so um, when there was some external event that happened that uh, that kind of put us all in the same place at the same time, sometimes puzzles were, were the, the way to go for, for that. But it's, it's, so puzzles might be an example for someone who loves to figure things out, find a place for everything, um, or it could just be um, because it brought people together at the same place at the same time yes. where a conversation could happen. So some people could have the same peak experience, but have a different reason why it's a peak experience. I That's think, a great insight. It really is. I think another thing to think about is when people start to describe what they think might be a peak, you can tell a lot by their facial expressions. Yes the way their eyes light up or they get their voice rises up and they get a little bit more animated as they talk about it. And it is so fun to be with that person and call that out in them because they don't sometimes even know it, like that they're getting so excited about it. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so the, the peak experience map, we've got, um, you know, room to kind of map out eight different experiences. And the first question is what happened? So, yeah. um, but the second question is what made it so good? Yes. And uh, that question is the one that kind of ties the themes together um, in the midst of that. So Sybil, tell us about um, something that you've identified as a peak experience. Well, um, certainly reading was one for me. And, um, and so uh, here I would, I read books under the covers with a flashlight hiding from uh, my family, not wanting them to see any light coming through the um, underneath the door. And, uh, and I loved reading about uh, big things about the world, about people. Uh, and, and so I entered the book and it was just all these words that were just put together. And, uh, but they were organized into chapters often. And I'd, I'd read one chapter and kind of get drawn in. And then I got involved in the people with the people and where it was going and the character development. And, um, and, and then I became a part of the story, uh, really in a, um, in a sense of it. And I felt myself just being carried through it. And at the end, just such a deep satisfaction. And I sort of savored that story. And then I pulled up the next book and, uh, started uh, started reading it. So it was a way for me. Actually, um, it was a peak experience. And it was also a way for me to deal with the um, with the situation in which I was living. It helped me get outside of that world. And it helped me to enter another world. And so um, uh, and all of our family liked reading. I mean, everyone the idea that you wouldn't read was just not uh, not ever mentioned. And now you have given more books away than any person <laughs> I know and will ever know. <laughs> right, Sharon? Yes, and, and has a husband that uh, that budgets pretty closely, and Sybil has a giveaway book budget, if I remember correctly. And hasn't yes. he cut that back on you a little bit? No. Yeah. Nope, it's he, out of he her doesn't. money, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. He, he says, it's go, go for it. No, it's not his budget. He doesn't even touch it. <laughs> but the Amazon guy is very familiar <laughs> with their house. Let's just say that. Yep. That's how that one goes. But, but we noticed that, that reading was the, the what happened, but the what made it so good. Um, you had quite a bit to say about that particular part. Is there anything else about reading what are, what are some of the things about reading other than... Well, it's arranging, a you know, you, you know, you, you are, I mean, I would think within a story, a mystery or, um, or about people, how I would put that together or arrange it. So um, one of the uh, strength finders uh, that I am is an arranger. So in, in my sense, in being a part of that story, um, I was interacting with it, um, or I might even say, "I wonder why you did that." I I, I would have done this, or um, and uh, and so I brought my own personage and added meaning, and also tried to understand the meaning of the author. Uh, I don't think I would have verbalized that younger, but I certainly would verbalize that much more today. Well, I just entered the joy. 
Yeah, and as we're growing up, I think one of the one of the things about reading that's so important is is there's some characters that you go, that's kind of like me. Oh, yes. And and there's another there's other characters that you go, oh man, there's people like that. <laughs> I didn't know that. And yeah, um, man, they're different than me. So so we start to be able to sort out who we are by the comparison and the contrasts of those particular things. Yes, yeah. and so. I notice out of that Sybil as well that um, story it's, it's, is, is so important to you and people. And so, and you listen to so many people's stories. Um, so it's not re it, and it's a different kind of way of reading. Yes. Stories. Does yes. That sound. Oh yeah. I, I mean, then I, I mean, I started listening to people's stories very early. I, I didn't even realize I was doing it, but I had people in high school and college contact me many years later and tell me some experience of my listening to them that I, I couldn't have even remembered. I, I did remember some at camps and that because uh, I was just deeply intentional, but um but I had 90 girls I was responsible for on a freshman floor, and I checked their rooms every day and said good night to all of them every night. That's what you did at a state school back in 1958. Can you? I, I mean, I, I it, it's 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 unfathomable to me mm -hmm. today to ponder so that. How um, long would it take you to say good night to 90 people? Oh. I, it would just, well, there are, you know, four in a room. So, you know, it would take me an hour. Hmm. I was the resident counselor. And so, yeah, but I got to know them. Mm -hmm. And I got to know their habits and patterns. And yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so that's, that's just what, and I was drawn to it. I was drawn to it like a bee drawn to honey. Um, and that, and, and, and I'll just share with you one quick other one because it's so simple and many people liked it is playing cards. You know, I love, I love playing cards, not solitaire. I was this solitaire is no fun for me. That's by yourself. So I knew a part of my motivational pattern was really being with others. So I loved playing canasta. I played bridge, um, and um, so I liked being able to think about something, and I was quick. I would not make a good chess player. I mean, I get a hand of cards, I look at them, I say, what do I need to get rid of? What do I need to pick up? And uh, again, that whole aspect of arranging, and, and for me today, helping people find their place, or saying, okay, you can help set the table, you can do this. Well, that's just card playing. That's very and, interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that that's just one I I picked up on. And I see people who play cards and, and hold the hand and they're looking at it. Dick can look at the hand for five to 10 minutes and try to figure out what to give away or what to not lay down. I say, Dick, this is just intuitive. Just do something. <laughs> and 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 you'll have all the time in the world, but he's thinking the odds and all of this. I, I don't think that at all. I just say, if I do it quickly, I can recoup my losses. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, it, it, you probably don't care if you lose very much either. No. It's, no, it's, it's, mean, just, it's about the act of playing the game. Yeah, with right. And being together, yes, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, that's and 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 it's one of the things we're doing during the pandemic. We play three cans, hands of card after dinner, and we don't have a we don't feel a rush to any rush to be anywhere, do anything, and conversation unfolds in it. And um, you know, and I'm not working hard at it, and I'm beating Dick, and he's trying to figure out how how he can beat me, and I. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, so one I mean, we're person's just, peak <laughs> is another person's is another, valley. Oh yes, exactly. yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but I but anyway, it just is fun for us at this stage um, in our lives, and during this pandemic, we have the space to do it, and uh, and it's playful. That's the other thing about mm-hmm. a peak experience. Um, it just is. It's in the moment. And uh, so. That's good. That's yeah. good. Joan, what about you? I think one of them that comes to mind was as a child, I love to make homemade cards. Um, I can picture in my head right now and my mom's two drawer file cabinet on the bottom in the back was this paper white bag with construction paper. And I thought it was Christmas when we got that pack of, you know, 50 different colors, not even not 50 different colors, but 50 different sheets of, you know, maybe 12 colors or something. And part of it too was um, thinking about who it was going to go to. Um, I loved going to um, like when I'd go to the grocery store with my mom, I would go to the card section and look for ideas or words. And I loved kind of gathering all the pieces to make the card. Um, and I liked it being unique. And the other thing I loved, and it's probably because I had parents from the depression was I kept all the scraps. So if I used, you know, two thirds of the sheet of the paper, and now I would probably throw the whole, the other part away. I kept all those little scraps and they turned into something else. And I loved the idea of taking all those little pieces and somehow turning them into the next card. Um, And it just gave me great joy then to think about then who the card was going to and what would be special, you know, to them. So making cards, and it was something I could get lost into, I think. Um, Yeah, life growing up was not, it was a little chaotic sometimes. And so it was, it was also a way of pulling away and just kind of immersing myself in this you know, activity. So I, I loved that a lot. And I, and I think a lot of it had to do too was just um, even today, I love to have, be able to look at something and see all the pieces and kind of put it together into something that's cohesive, um, that um, is something somebody can connect with. And so Anyway, it's fun to see how yeah. those things from when you were five or eight connect to who you are now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't remember you sharing that one before. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the other thing uh, that I wonder about is the act of giving those cards away. Mm-hmm. If that was a piece of the joy of it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was well, a way to connect with that's, people. Yeah, that's, and that's an important part for me in my story as well. Yeah. yeah, Sharon, I love your story because I think it's one that more people ha- have but don't recognize. When you uh, taught yourself guitar, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I taught myself how to play guitar when I was um, early on in high school. I think um, my sister had a guitar around. I don't remember her playing it a lot, but anyway, picked it up and uh, there was a John Denver songbook around and every song was in the key of C. And so I can still play guitar, not well, but if it's in the key of C, I can play it and I can yeah. still play Sunshine on My Shoulders and I can... <laughs> <laughs> and, and Rocky Mountain High and all these songs that were in that particular John Denver songbook. And it wasn't that I continued playing guitar or got really good at it or whatever, but it was this aspect of these chord diagrams on the top mm-hmm. of the, of the chords there that, um, that I could figure something out on my own. It was mm-hmm. kind of like just being able to pick something up and, and noodle it through to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much about that particular thing that is so evident in, in the kind of way I, I roll these days. It's like, okay, well, yeah, we ought to do a podcast. Well, I'll figure out how to do that. Um, I'll I'll just kind of figure Mm -hmm. this stuff out as we go along. And the other, one of my other peak experiences that always lands on this, on this map is doing crafts with my mom and my sister. My dad was an airline pilot, so he was gone. Um, you know, he was gone or he was there, you know, it was like, he was just there like part-time almost. It was weird. And, uh, very much unlike a lot of other families, I guess. Um, but this aspect of, of the crafts would come out when my dad was gone. Somehow or another, we had to put them, my mom thought we had to put them away when dad was around. I don't think he cared one way or the other, but, um, but we would try these new things and we'd go to this craft store called Lee Ward's. And mm-hmm. uh, I grew up uh, Northwest to here about 40 minutes and uh, halfway in between where I live now and where there was, there was a store called Lee Wards and um, it's not too far from the restore. And I, so I pass by it every once in a while. And it's just so crazy to, to have these memories flood back of going into that store with my mom and my sister and picking out the next, next craft kit. Cause they had these cool kits that you could try and we say, Oh, what do we want to try next? And it was always with the attitude of, well, let's give it a rip. <laughs> you know, Let's see what happens. <laughs> and um, if it didn't work, it was kind of like, well, let's go on to the next one, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this aspect of, of going ahead and trying and there, there being little or no consequence to failure. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. That that just gives me this kind of attitude of well, what could what could happen? What you know, let's let's try. Mm-hmm. And yes. I find that that is something that is unique in me that a lot of other people don't experience. Mm-hmm. And, and would you, so, yeah, are you? Would you say? Um, you know, I've one one of the things I think of you out of those experience, but entrepreneurial. You like to work with something you haven't worked with before or figure out. Mm-hmm. how this how this could work and i and i felt like also the thing i've seen in you is a risk taker you know it just i'm willing to try something that hasn't been tried before yeah and i think it's it's also part of what drives me crazy a little bit is that i start a bunch of things i start a lot of new things mm-hmm. and um, and so finishing things is not nearly as important to me as starting something that i can learn yeah, you're a learner. That's that's yes. the key thing here for me as I listen. Mm-hmm. 
So it's, it's kind of a fun thing to be able to do. So anyway, let's get back to the map for a second. So the process here is to think about and identify these kinds of peak experiences and try to think of um, many of them and then select eight to kind of put through this grid of what happened, what made it so good, and how did I respond? Um, so why don't you say some, some words about that? How did I respond? Question. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think um, one of the um, one of the things in how did I respond was their satisfaction. Mm-hmm. You know, was there did uh, was there a sense of joy um, in what I did? Um, uh, was there just a sense of uh, actually a sense of peace about it? Um, a sense of um, okay, a relational. I, again, the sense of I could do this again, or I'm uh, the capacity to say I'm really, good. you know, I think I I'm good at this, and and it wasn't um, uh, growing up in a Christian community when you said that in many Christian communities, that felt um, self-centered, mm. and so. What I found when we do this map with people, that there are a lot of people who um, didn't get affirmation for some of those things. I mean, when they sort of said, you know, I think I really do this well. I, when I put a little skit together and get everybody else in the family to be a part of it, and, I, you know, we all laughed. I mean, that's what we were supposed to do. And, uh, and it happened. And, um, and sometimes we say, yeah, don't get, don't get the feeling too big about yourself. <laughs> yeah. And, and this, this kind of tamping it down a little bit or yes. too much. I mean, I got a lot of that because I can be kind of, I can be kind of big sometimes in that way, you know, and, and, um, if nobody else is leading, I'm fine with leading, you know, it's like, okay, let's go. And, um, and so this being too much thing that, that can kind of infiltrate the Christian community, like there's not enough yes. room for all of us or, or like, like your example, somebody puts on a little show and it's like, wait a minute, that was something joyful flowing through them for the joy of other people too. Yes. You know? And so I think finding our place in the world is an interesting deal because we're always, um, seeing what other people think about it. Yes. And comparing. Uh, and comparing. Yeah, the comparing and, thing is what oh steals the joy goodness. away. And yeah, and this the I'm a second child, but somehow or another I kind of escaped the comparison thing with my sister. It was like she was different and I was different and that was fine with me. No big deal. But I I've listened to enough second children and right now I have some great nieces, three great nieces who are the cutest kids you'd ever you've ever seen in your life. I swear you'd agree with me if you saw them. And the, the, the we, would. we have seen them. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And and they they're just so sweet. Oh my gosh, they are such a treasure. And um the one just turned five. And the other one's just turning eight. And, and there's such a difference in what you can do at those two different ages. But for Christmas, I mean, the, the middle one is just so obsessed with, with things not being fair if she can't do everything her older sister does. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
And this, this comparison thing, just, you can tell it's already driving her and it's unfair. And it's like, and it just cuts her to the core. And I'm just like, oh, it's just so painful to watch that in a four-year-old just becoming five, you know, that it's like, oh, this is something that will drive you crazy the rest of your life. <laughs> you know, can I tell you right now that this is not the road you want to go yes. down? Is this road yes. of comparison that steals joy and it, it makes you try to want to be like somebody else. And I think there's a piece of that in all of us to some degree. Yes. Um, but these but, peaks are all about joy, right? And finding yes, and our own joy. Yes, exactly. and and being um, and being who we are, and we read this on the um, uh, we read this on one of our uh, uh, I think podcasts, and and uh, Joan posted it. But this aspect I think fits with the peaks, and um, on this comparison, it's from um, uh, it's from Murray Botto in Song of the Sparrow. And it reads like this, when I compare myself with others, I have an immense sense of failure of inadequacy. That's mm -hmm. where this, what you were talking about, Sharon, because I see only their strengths, which seldom are my strengths. But when I forget comparison and only look what needs to be done, what can be done, I'm at peace with the knowledge that I have something to give, something to offer. If I give of myself, it will make a difference, even though someone else could have given more, could have loved more perfectly, could have succeeded where I failed. If only everyone realized that the gift she or she can give is unique and does, does make a difference. What pain of self-pity he or she would be spared. Mm -hmm. We can never be the people we admire. We can only be ourselves. And that alone is admirable. And I think if there's anything we're saying in the peaks map is we are valuing the person that that person is. And As God made them to be. Yes. And our role to call it out in others, I think, is the other yes. thing that happens in this map as we interview, you know, people are around their peaks. Yeah. 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 And so that's part of this process is is not only documenting your peaks, but then um, being in community where you interview people about it. So you get to share it. You get to hear yourself speak it out. And um, as interviewers, we also become detectives of the threads that move through these peak experiences. And so what's the result of, of a peak experience map like this on, on uh, why do we, why do we put it there, Sybil? <laughs> well, because we don't want people to just find a job or make a living. We want people to live out of who they actually are, which will mean they will need a job, but there is much more to who they really are. And, uh, uh, and if I just can say a side note, I listened to someone and uh, who is doing the maps. And this guy said when he was, um, he did uh, music theater and loved it. And when he went to, when he went to college, his, the words that came to him, remember, you have to make a living. And I think you heard that kind of word yourself. Yes, I and, did. <laughs> and 
and he went another way and that thing got shelved until he was way into his uh, adult years and he feels a sorrow over it um, because it is a part of the essence of who he was and and in doing the map now in seeking how can that be recalled in this space and this time 40 years later and that is the secret of that of the i think of this process is that if you discover what you're motivated by if you discover the themes that are true in your life um, if you uh, discover the place where you'd like to work inside or outside or in groups or by yourself, then you can do that all of your life. The three of us, when we were 10, would never have dreamed of being on this podcast together. <laughs> What's podcast? I, I mean, it just, <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't have been. But I, you know, I liked, I liked to speak before people. I like to teach. I like to, and would never have imagined that this would be something at this age of 79 that I would be able to do. So the gift in it is being able to say to somebody, this is something that you will be able to do some form of it until the day you die. You know, in the sense, I mean, I think of your mom, um, uh, Joan, um, one of the things that was her was that she loved to welcome the family. Mm -hmm. That that was a gift. And she loved doing small things with great love. Mm -hmm. Sorted the socks. Did, um, yeah, <laughs> the I mean, the took care. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you better explain what mending is. Mending I don't think and you... ironing. Uh, that will be a whole separate podcast. I'll explain but, that. Mending and ironing. But, yes. but also, she had the capacity. I mean, she wrote letters, but she had the capacity, and you have a picture of it, of her waving goodbye. Mm -hmm. See, she sent you off with a smile, and she was really able to do that up to her last days. Mm -hmm. It's true. She was able to... And well, those are just simple, so very simple things, right? They would never yes. show up on a resume, but no. they embodied, in this case, yeah. who she was. Oh, and the people across the street, the children that mm -hmm. would come, you know, again, but that was influence and power in her world. So mm -hmm. I've, I've told, you've heard me say this before, I picture myself in a nursing home <laughs> and not being able to see or hear or maybe even speak, but now people will be around me taking care of me. And still I say, have I lived life in Christ that without words, my body will respond in a way to them that is kindly and will continue to issue forth the love of God. And, and I didn't say it before, but the, the gift as I did these maps was to, I'm somebody who takes a pile of words, a hand of cards, a pile of leaves, and gathers people around and invites them into something and say, let's go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so at the end, I see the people gathered around me taking me somewhere. I think these things, um, when we talk to kids now, I mean, remember that we're only a couple generations into this continually asking kids 
well, what are you going to major in in college? What are you going to do with your life? You know, and, and, and starting so early that we start asking those questions, um, as opposed to helping them figure out a little bit about who they are and saying, you know, all you need for right now is just kind of like being pointed in a general direction, you know, and then go give it Um, a try and give it a try and see what kind of refinement that might take along the way. And also don't assume that you're just going to have one career, so to speak. Yes. And not only that, there's plenty of, plenty of uh, especially women, um, that those career plans get uh, put aside when, when kids are around, when, when yes. kids start coming. And, um, but this expression of who we are in our parenting as every bit as important, actually more important than whatever we choose as a career. And also we've got kids in big schools, um, especially like for where we live in the suburbs um, where Joan and I are now. Anyway, and this, this, uh, this, if you're not really, really good, and if you, if you haven't played travel sports from the time you were seven or whatever, mm-hmm. you, there's no way you're going to make your high school team. And there's so many things you can't try unless you're the best at it. And then you get right. this, this over-specialization yes. in, 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 in how things work that exclude this ability to be able to try a bunch of different things. And um, I think we lose something in that translation yes. um, at times. Oh, yeah. So things are different. Telling them at age five, they need to know what they want to do for the rest of their life. And then you see what happens though, is as they reach kind of high school, we'll say they, they get burnt out (laughs) and it could have been the thing, but they're just tired. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you get, you get some people who, who get themselves into a career where that's, you know, they're, they're too far in to -hmm. get out. Um, and like, even like a medical profession, for example, like a a doctor, for example, the amount of training and the amount of money and, and all that goes into that. And then getting out of that track is something that most doctors don't do. Hopefully that doctor wanted to be a doctor and they're exactly where they needed to be. (laughs) And that's who they're made to be and everything Mm -hmm. else. But uh, there are some places where, where we kind of get pigeonholed. So then the ability to be able to say, okay, what choices do I have to arrange my circumstances outside of my career to be able to do this? Because it is an absolute privilege to be able to have your career match your, 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 core, um, your yes. core themes of your peak experiences yes. in this way. It is such a privileged thing. Um, there are a whole lot of people who uh, who never had the opportunity to choose um, a profession. And this idea that we can live full lives, whether or not our profession matches these things. So we have to be strategic in terms of what we recognize about ourselves and lean into it and also realize the perils of not leaning in to those peak experiences. I mean, yes. um, you know, I've said this quite a few times. It's like when, when I'm not creating, when I'm not painting or doing pottery or doing something creative, it, it's like a piece of my soul withers. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and I yeah. get grumpy. 
<laughs> it's like, you know, somebody tell me go to go paint, please. <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead Get your of sending me my room, go to the basement and paint, would you? So yes. <laughs> those yes. are those are pieces and parts to this particular part of the listen to my life experience and to be able to consider how do we want to arrange our lives joyfully because not living joyfully also has consequences Mm -hmm. to our ability to let God's love flow through us to the world around us. Mm -hmm. And we also have seen many people who have found that later in their life, you know, who have really uh, may not have done that earlier in their life, but who, um, who bumped into an experience and for some it might have been listen to my life and they they started uh, something or uh, someone else who uh, helped them find their gifts um, in another way so and and I think of 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 life being a little bit like the movie the karate kid that everything can be used that um, even the things which I didn't like doing, may there's a piece of it that might work in my life today to be able to do the thing that is really me. Uh, and, and for this time, and also, if I'm doing that, I am contributing to the world, and I am expressing who God made me to be, and I'm blessing others. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing for me on this peak map, map after I finish it that's been kind of powerful is been to think about these peaks and kind of overlay them back over my life story map, the themes and threads in particular, and go, oh my gosh, God was going before me. Look how yes. he was doing this back yes. when I was eight. He was preparing me because he put that in me. And that is a beautiful exercise that sometimes people skip over when they do the maps, but mm-hmm. I encourage people take what you learned in the peaks and then go take a peek back at my life story and, and celebrate with God. Like, yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so from, from this particular map, we do go through the Valley experience. It's helping people to move through those valleys. And then we go to reviewing my days and um, when did I feel most energy is one of the one of the questions there that has a linkage to what we're talking about here um, with peak experiences. So what are the threads that we can carry through in terms of the choices we make with our time on a daily or weekly or monthly basis to be able to insert some of the things that give us that kind of, of lift and energy yeah. um, in yeah. the midst of it all? And then we move um, from there to desires and longings. And hopefully there's some threads that fall, that flow through mm-hmm. from the peak experiences yeah. map into that desires and longings. Yes. Yeah. So, and then uh, we get to uh, life-giving rhythms and then following forward. And we get to this part where we, um, well, the whole thing along the way people are, are deciding what to take with them and what to leave behind, either sorting out their story in some way. And so the peak experience map has something to do with that. Go ahead, Sybil. Yeah. Well, yes. What, what do you leave behind? You know, what is you and what is no longer you? Mm -hmm. It might've been you at a particular time. And it was, as Joan said, it was useful in preparing me, but it's, it's it served its it served its purpose, and mm-hmm. now I need to travel um, a little bit lighter. Um, it, it's funny that you say that, you know, um, or not funny, but poignant that you um, 
look at those further maps. I listened to somebody this morning on the uh, My Life Now map, and um, his lingering question was, what's next? And then his, well, no, that was in his, um, uh, what's pressing? What's pressing? And then his lingering question was purpose. And I said, I wonder if you might look at this, and this came out of his story, but I wonder if you might look at this in a different way, and this is where it connects to the Peaks map. I wonder if you might say, who am I becoming so I might know what's next? Mm. And so a part of the whole listen to my life experience is recognizing and responding to God in my story. Mm-hmm. And so whom I'm becoming, when you talk about energy or life-giving, that's, unless I'm really, you know, so on the one one hundredth percent out of order person, that's where God is. Mm-hmm. And that's where God is activated. He always is in everybody, but you see his power, his beauty, his energy, his gifting. Yeah. And, um, and, and if we look at Christianity as a sin management pro- program, uh, yes, this conversation doesn't even fit. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. um, if, if, go ahead, Sybil. Yeah, no, you're right. Go on. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an aspect of who do we think God is and what do we think gives him delight in how we're living? And maybe the thing that can give him the most delight is to be our true selves. Yes. And, and there's a great quote that's on the tip of your tongue, Sybil. Go ahead. Well, I just say we suppress it. We, we, sin management is suppressing the thing that needs to be brought before God and actually redeem for good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of what the church... Uh, it's a part of what the church did, a, a, a place, and I have to go back and read it. I just um, heard something on it this morning is Dallas Willard talks about it in Divine Conspiracy. And, uh, and he talks about the, what we've missed in trying to do sin management in the church. And you just uh, yeah, totally brought it, it to the fore. Yeah, and um, the quote that came to mind was... Um, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he wants to live in us and through us for the benefit of the world around us. And um, he delights in uh, joining us in this adventure that we get to co-author. Yes. And that's a very different picture of God than some people were handed yeah. along the way. Yeah. But this map, this map points us back to our stories being a part of his story for me over and over and over again. It just affirms that. I mean, even if you don't get that until this like fourth map, I'm I'm like, oh, yeah, my life matters. My story matters. My story's part of something bigger. Yes. And it might, it might seem a bit more ordinary than we seem. Yeah. Yes. It might be right under our noses. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we live in a country. The reason we have a hard time with this, those of us who live in the United States, is we are achievement oriented. 
we are success oriented. So peaks can get suppressed in that regard, or they get, they can even get misused uh, in ways where they become manipulative and, um, uh, and the, um, the other aspect, which just um, slipped past me. Um, I can't, can't think of That's it okay. right at, yeah, right the, at the moment. But it's, yeah, this, this idea also that comes, that's coming through in, in people that, that I'm listening to uh, right now is there's this, there's phraseology that comes from Christendom that is making an impact for the kingdom or making a bigger impact for the kingdom yes. or, you know, making, and, and there's this. Um, Grandiosity? Well, well no, it, I don't want to call it grandiosity because it's, it's a, it's a good notion, but overplayed it can start being something that drives us to be something like someone else we know that we think is making a big impact yes. and making an impact can be in the most ordinary ways. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes we can think about making a kingdom impact and look overlook what's right in front of our nose. That is, that is, that's needing attention, the people that need attention yes the love that we have an opportunity to share or, or whatever. And, um, and so there's, there's an aspect of that, that, that that's kind of stirring in me right now. Go ahead, Sybil. Yeah. So, so don't you think that a part of our, part of the work with the media, I mean, that's not just the media, but with sort of being able to see everything around the world all at once so we think we're in the know, we think we have something, and then we pay no attention to the person that is right in front of our nose. Mm -hmm. And that is actually the only place we have any power. Any article I read, I have no power, none in that situation. It might give me information, but I do have influence and power with the people who come on the side of the springs with Dick, the way I treat him or the way we are together, um, who I am when I'm in a store. I mean, those are the places that I have influence and actually some form of power. What a good thought. And I'm just uh, so grateful for the conversation. Thanks for the energy. Yeah. Uh, that it gives me to have conversations like this, like this with the two of you along the way. Um, we are so grateful that all of you uh, listening later here um, have tuned into the One Life Maps podcast. If you like it, please, please share it. Um, if this is important to you um, and you think it might benefit some other people, um, this is a part of the One Life Maps Dot com is where you go to find out more about Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in Your Story. You might want to um, hit that website and see if this is something that you might be interested in. And if you own the portfolio already and you're, um, and you're thinking that maybe it's time to pick it up, uh, we would encourage you to do so. We're going to have some more virtual uh, coaching groups um, starting yet this year. And um, you can go to the website and find out the most current information that we have about that as well. So 
Um, any last words you'd want to share, Sybil? No, I just think that this map is is really one of the most beautiful maps and really shows forth the absolute beauty and creativity of each person that God has created. No one is excluded. Yeah. Joe? I would say too, just that this map is definitely one that can be a standalone kind of piece. And so if you've been thinking, I think I'd like to dive in and you this could be a good one just to even start with. Or if you've done all the maps to just grab a few other people and say, let's just do this one map. It's going to be so fun together to discover, you know, who God created us to be. Right. And, and some people are in situations right now, given what's happening in the world um, with a pandemic that most of us have never lived through a pandemic, but a no. lot of people are going to need to pivot. <laughs> here <Yes. laughs> and figure out a new way of doing life and a yes. new way to, uh, to make money. And, and it may be very difficult and it may be really scary, but it might be ripe with opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that would be our prayer for you is that you will find the opportunity in the midst of this conversation and your circumstances and, and keep asking, what does this make possible? Best. So thanks again, everybody for joining in. Want to sign off? Go ahead, Sybil. Bye-bye. Happy to be with you. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Many blessings, everyone. Bye-bye. This podcast is sponsored by OneLifeMaps.com, creators of unique visual life mapping materials titled, Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story. Go to OneLifeMaps.com to purchase your Listen to My Life portfolio of visual life maps. While you're there, check out our upcoming virtual coaching groups, live workshops, and options for you to facilitate the Listen to My Life experience with others. That's onelifemaps.com. O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S.com. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You can help support this podcast and the work of One Life Maps by supporting us on Patreon. Go to www.patreon.com slash onelifemaps to pledge $5 or more per month and get weekly audio meditations to help you recognize and respond to God in your story. Thank you for tuning in to the One Life Maps podcast. Until next time, make the most of this one life that you've been gifted.